Hey guys, Josh here. Thanks for joining us for the special parenting series. We're talking about parenting in every stage of life from the book of Proverbs. And we hope today that'll be an encouragement to you no matter where you are in your spiritual or parenting journey. Don't forget to fill out that connection card online at branchlife.church and stay to the end for a special uh, message. We hope that you enjoyed today's study from the book of Proverbs. Thidwick the Big-Hearted Moose. Up at Lake Winnebango, the far northern shore, lives a huge herd of moose, about 60 or more. And they all go around in a big happy bunch, looking for nice tender moose moss to munch. For the moose moss that day was especially fine, when it happened that Thidwick, the last moose in line, saw a bingle bug sitting. The bug called out, Hey, it's such a long road and it's such a hot day. Would you mind if I rode on your horns for a way? Of course not, smiled Thidwick, the big-hearted moose. I'm happy my antlers can be of some use. So the bingle bug picked out a nice easy seat and the moose went on looking for moose moss to eat. An hour or so later, the bug heard a squeak and he heard the small voice of a tree spider speak. I say, said the spider, you've got a fine place. That moose seems quite friendly, has such a nice face. If I got on too, do you think he would mind? Hop aboard, laughed the bug, and I think that you'll find that the moose won't object. He's the big-hearted kind. And the very next thing the poor animal knew, a bobcat and turtle were living there too. What was the big-hearted moose going to do? A host has to put up with all kinds of pests, for a host above all must be nice to his guests. They asked in a fox who jumped in from the trees. They asked in some mice and they asked in some fleas. They asked a big bear in and then, if you please, came a swarm of 362 bees. Poor Thidwick sank down with a groan to his knees. And then, then came something that made his heart freeze. Bullets came zigging right past Thidwick's face. Guns were bang-binging all over the place. Thidwick took to his heels with that load on his head. With 500 pounds on his horns, the moose fled. He could have run faster without all those pests. But a host, above all, must be nice to his guests. Up canyon, off cliff, over wild rocky trail, with bullets bang-bouncing all around him like hail. Then finally they had him. He gasped. He felt faint, and the whole world grew fuzzy. Thidwick was finished completely. Or was he? Finished? Not Thidwick. Decidedly not. It's true he was in a most terrible spot, but now he remembered a thing he'd forgot. A wonderful something that happens each year to the horns of all moose and the horns of all deer. Today was the day Thidwick happened to know that old horns come off so that new ones can grow. His old horns today are where you knew they would be. His guests are still on them, all stuffed as they should be. Way to go, Dr. Seuss, bringing home the moral of the story. If you need a moral of the story, parents, we're talking about parents of adults, which happens to be our largest parenting period, right? Discipline years, five years, training years, another six or seven years, teen years, you got 12 to 19, not that long, seven or eight, parenting years from 19 to forever, right? So it's a huge, like, how do I parent adult kids and adults? How, how do I have a relationship with my 
parents when I'm in my adult years. Here's the moral of the story from Thidwick, the big-hearted moose. No matter how big-hearted I might be, don't think you can live in my antlers for free. And that's the moral that we're going to hit home today, and we're going to talk about that because Dr. Seuss, whether he knew it or not, was getting some wisdom that we get from the book of Proverbs. We're going to be through the book of Proverbs today. A little bit later in the service, I'm going to need some audience participation. I'm going to ask a couple of you to read a couple of Proverbs for us. Just shout it out from where your chair is at. Uh, so if you, you have your Bibles, you want to follow along with that in your Bibles, underline them. That would be great. Uh, we'll also put most of that up here on the screen for you. And uh, for those of you that are participating online or you watch this throughout the week or you get the emails, don't forget to go to branchlife.church slash parenting through Proverbs where you can see these videos, you can see the teaching, you can see the resources that we're sharing, including these books. I, fail, I failed to mention in this service last week for parents of teens, my number one recommended book is this, The Age of Opportunity. Get a hold of this. It's an incredible resource for parents of teenagers. And uh, we link to that in that resource page, among other things, including now your, your free subscription to Right Now Media, where you can find all kinds of parenting resources available today. Today is an important topic, and if you're joining us for the first time for this parenting series, or you've just been with us during this parenting series, and we've just met you, I want to say a particular welcome to all of the new people, all of the new families that have jumped in in the new year. Uh, online and in person, and I'm, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, no matter where you are in your parenting journey, these wisdom principles that we've been applying to parenting apply to all of us everywhere. I, there's a, a couple in our, our small group that was just mentioning how much they enjoy the parenting series, yet they're, older parent, they're, they're an older couple without kids. Uh, but she works in a preschool, and she gets to deal with parents all day, every day, and kids all day, every day. And so, you know, she's been applying some of this stuff here. Uh, but so have, so have kids and teenagers, and now we're going to specifically talk to a, a, a message today that will be for all of us. Because we all are in this situation somehow, some way. We're either parents of adults, or we're adults who have had parents. Because uh, all of us have parents. And so I think, I think it's important that we kind of lean into these wisdom principles uh, for, these, for these years. Here's the, here's the parenting principle for this age group. In the friendship years, they do it. And you watch. In the friendship years, they do it and you watch. As we've been going through this series, all these videos are available online. Our, our first week was talking about the young ones, the f up to five years old. And those are the discipline years. Those are the years you do it, they watch. And they can't do it, right? They, they need to be corrected. They need to be disciplined. They need to know where the boundaries are so that they stay alive. And when you're parenting, this discipline is the foundation, and then you go to the next year, the preschool years, and that's the training years, where you do it, and they help. They can start doing chores, they can start uh, answering questions, they can start figuring things out, but you're still parenting, doing the lion's share of the work, prepping the meals, cleaning the room, making sure the kids are ready for then those, those school, uh, those teen years, where we transition from training to coaching. We talked about how important it is to be a coach and how, how that's still got a, a position of authority over those kids. But whether you're like it or not, they're out on the field making decisions every day as teenagers without you. So you're coaching, and that's built on the discipline, built on the training, built onto the coaching. And all of that leads to this season 
where it is now the adult years. They graduate from college. They've gone, they go into the military. They get the full-time nine-to-five job. They start into relationships. They're, they're, you're walking daughters down uh, wedding aisles. You're having grandbabies. All that kind of stuff takes place in this moment. And yet, you will never stop being parents. The responsibility doesn't end as soon as they leave the house, or you wish they would leave the house. It begins and moves forward. This can be some of the sweetest years for your parent-child relationship, and it can be some of the most special. But you must remember, parents to adults, it's time for them to do it and you to watch. And you get to be friends. See, your goal through this whole process is to raise your kids to be adults who you want to be friends with. That's, what, that's really what you're trying to do. In the training years, we're trying to teach our kids to be responsible, right? Because why? Because I like to have friends who are responsible. We try to teach our kids to be disciplined. Why? It's nice to have friends who are disciplined. We want to teach our kids to be kind and good, have good character and to speak nicely and to be in control and to date the right people. Why? Because we want to be uh, raised children who we would want to be friends with. We want to be friends with these kids who are, and by the way, parents, we want to be people who our kids want to be friends with. We want to be the kind of parents who our kids love knowing and hanging out with and connecting with. And if, if, you've, if you're doing this well, when you get to the friendship years, that's the kind of relationship that you get to have, a kind of relationship where both the parent and the child choose to stay connected, choose to be in each other's lives because they want to. And let me just say right off the bat, and I recognize that this is a reality for a lot of us. Not all of us have adult parents that we get to hang out with. Not all of us have chosen to stay in relationship with our adult parents. I'm blessed to have both of my parents alive and well. And they're here helping at Branch Life Church. We worship together every week. That is a blessing for me, and I know that that is rare. One of my wife's most important relationships in her life is with her mom, my mother-in-law, who is a cherished friend in my life, who we love to talk to and hang out with. And people don't always talk positively about their in-laws. But I don't have a father-in-law to be a friend with right now. Jenny doesn't have her dad. He passed away when he was in his 60s. And so that relationship is no longer there. We can't, don't have the opportunity to interact. And for some of you, you've lost your parents at a young age. For some of you, uh, you've lost your children. For some of you, you've been estranged from your parents. Or you're just a great distance apart. And we recognize that reality. These principles can still be an encouragement to you. And no matter where you are in your parenting journey, no matter where you are in your relationship uh, journey. My prayer this morning is that this will encourage you to take one other step forward. It may be a small step, it may be a big step. But if you do have a strong connection with parents who are living, and parents, if your adult kids are close to you, I just want you to recognize how special and precious that is. It is rare, it is not common, but 
in God's plan for us, it can be the norm for those who follow after Jesus. So let's talk about how to have great friendships with our adult kids and our parents in our adult years. Here's the parenting principles that we're going to talk about from Proverbs and from, um, from Thidwick, right? He, he gives us these as examples. There are three wins in the friendship years. Number one, we want to be good-hearted. We're going to talk about being good-hearted. Two, we're going to talk about building good boundaries, and we're going to talk about then becoming great friends. That's a leftover chapter. That's not the correct one, so ignore Proverbs 19. But if you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11 is going to kick us off. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Proverbs chapter 11 and verses 24 and 25, talking about this first key to uh, uh, parents and adults of adult children, is to be good-hearted. Proverbs chapter 11, 24, 25 says, One who gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another who withholds what he should give, only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and whoever waters will himself be watered. This principle of being good-hearted, this wisdom statement, gives us the key to being good-hearted in our adult years. It's radical generosity. Now think about Thidwig, the good-hearted moose, right? His reputation was that he was good-hearted. His mantra was to be a good host, you have to put up with all kinds of bad things, right? And he kept saying that over and over again. I'm going to let anyone move into my antlers. I'm going to give time. I'm going to give energy. I'm going to give space. And there's something very important at, at, if you're looking at this as stages. There's something very important to have at your foundation this principle of radical generosity. If you want to be a good-hearted person, you're going to get very good at being generous. You're going to have as a second nature the ability to give of yourself, even when it hurts, even, even when it's inconvenient, even when it means rearranging your plans and your schedules, even when it means totally cutting out what you were expecting in your life so that someone else can have what they need. Generosity is one thing. I'm going to give you a few dollars. Radical generosity is I'm going to give you my entire wallet and the day and the next day and the next day. I look in the, the story of the Good Samaritan and the Good Samaritan saw that there was a thief that had been beaten and he was laying on the ground. Not a thief, a man who had been beaten by thieves. That man had been laying on the ground while three other religious people walked by. And the religious people all took some notice of the person who was in need. They paid some attention to the person that was in need. But the good Samaritan, who God calls good-hearted, right? This good Samaritan not only sees the person, not only pays attention to him in the moment, but picks them up, puts them in his uh, Tesla takes him to the nearest Holiday Inn, pays all the fees, hires a doctor to do a home visit and take care of him and make sure that that person in need would be okay. Now, that's generous, amen? Now, he didn't stop. He moved to radical generosity by doing something that most of us would not do. He came back the next day and the next day and the next day. He covered the next bill, and the next bill, and the next bill. He made sure that it was all taken care of. It was radical when it was repeated. See, radical generosity is this repeated giving of oneself 
to a person who is in need. To demonstrate your love for one another, love for God and love for neighbor, means that you will sacrifice of yourself. The other good-hearted story of radical generosity in Scripture is found in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son radical. He gave. I want to be, as a parent, marked by radical generosity. I want to be, as a parent, marked by radical generosity. Here's my, how my dad displayed radical generosity to me. We, uh, my dad was not only the pastor of the church that I grew up in, he was the superintendent of the school that I attended. He was the boss of all of my teachers, and every, occasionally I let them know that. Do you know who I am? <laughs> my father could fire you, and they were all like, all right, I want to see you try. And they grabbed me by the ear and take me to my father, right? So his office was where I went to church and school. It was where I worked, right? So I, I and in, also in that building was soda machines, right? We all love soda machines. Back in the day, you could buy a soda for 25 cents. You know, I would go to my dad's office, whether he was there or not, and I would try to find 25 cents almost every day so I could find a soda. And, and I didn't realize it, but quarters don't magically appear in desks. Did you know that? They're, they're, they don't. Does anyone have a quarter on them? If you, can you throw me a quarter? I need a quarter. Um, in other words, I'm asking you to throw money at me if anyone could, if anyone could do that. So if, I, a lot of us don't carry cash in our, in our days, but I'm, the quarter's going to come up a couple times. So if someone has a quarter and you get my eye, just throw it and I may or may not catch it. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Thank you. That was fantastic. So I would grab one of these quarters, and uh, the, I would pull open the desk, and there was always a sleeve of quarters or quarters stacked up nicely, and they were there, and I'd pull one. Now, every time you pull one, one would magically reappear the next time. I, I found out that my dad was well aware that quarters were missing from his desk on a regular occasion, yet I was still allowed to open the desk, and he kept putting more quarters there so that we could have soda money. I don't know if my mom knew that until this moment in time right now. I just realized that might have been a secret that I should have kept. But, but that's, to me, that as a kid, that's, that's radical generosity, just allowing your kids to, to do it. I feel radically generous whenever the ice cream truck comes through our cul-de-sac and they make you pay $20 for the SpongeBob Popsicle, <laughs> right? But it's not just giving your kids money uh, for them to spend and to splurge on. We've talked about responsibility. It's, it's giving when there is need. It's giving time. It's giving attention. It's giving the, the, the um, presence that sometimes is required. This week, one of our families uh, of a special needs child just found out the Johnson family, little Ellie, who comes here, had to get an emergency appendicitis surgery. And so yesterday she was in surgery to get her appendix out. Her grandparents, Colin's mom and dad, Scott and Tracy, were on a trip down in Delaware. You know, they deserve the trip down in Delaware. They should be able to stay away all weekend. But you know where grandma and grandpa went as soon as they heard about their granddaughter's surgery? They picked up everything in Delaware and they came home to get to the hospital as fast as possible. Why? Radical generosity. I'm going to be present when my kids and my grandkids need me. And I want to make sure that I am available to help them out. Now, the quarter shows up here in this conversation because how many sides to a quarter are there? 
I know that that's a debatable question, but let's just say for the sake of our discussion today that we're talking about one side of the quarter. And on one side of the quarter, one side of the coin, we need to be radically generous. We need to be good-hearted. We need to be kind. We need to have this goal as parents. We need to be able to be available to give generously to our kids' kids. Parents, we need to be able to give generously to our kids' kids. We want to have that availability. So parents of adults, you want to live your life in such a way that recognizes you may be called on sometimes to help your kids and your kids' kids. And we want to have that availability. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I knew my great-uncle Gil. My grandmother was adopted by her aunt and uncle. So my great-grandfather was technically a great-uncle of mine. But my great-uncle Gil, who I met occasionally because he was really old when I was really little, he sometimes came to Christmas. I have some fond memories of him. But here's, here's what I know about my great-uncle Gil. Somehow, in my kid years, I received an inheritance from my great-uncle Gil. He left me money. He left me a significant amount of money because that money was used to help pay for my college. And by God's grace, a pastor's kid was able to graduate from college and seminary debt-free. Some of that was thanks to my great-uncle Gil, who gave me an inheritance. I'm the youngest of five kids. I'm right in the middle of the row of 12 of Uncle Gil's great-grandkids. He gave to my aunts and uncles, he gave to my parents, and he also gave to all 12 of his great-grandkids, this great-uncle Gil. What a blessing that was. How unearned that was from me. But he was a good man. And he was able to leave an inheritance to his children's children. That was a blessing. We want to live our lives in such a way that we are available to do that financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. That is a good goal. But there's at least one other side to the coin. Yes, we need to be radically generous. Yes, we need to give freely. But on the other side of the coin, we must remember to build good boundaries. You see, nothing comes free. And Thidwig the big moose learned that he couldn't house the entire forest on his antlers and yet then deal with trouble himself. He couldn't be so weighed down with the needs of other people that he wouldn't himself be able to survive when it stormed. He had to care for himself. He had to give uh, time and attention to himself. And Thidwig needed to create some boundaries in his life. Yes, he needed to be good-hearted. Yes, he needed to be radically generous. But he didn't want to help if it was going to hurt. Sometimes helping hurts. Not the giver, but the one you're giving to. Let me give you some examples about when to pause helping because it's actually hurting. You need to pause helping when giving advice without being asked. Parents of adult children, this is hard. Because when I was your age, right? <laughs> when I was raising kids, when I was dating, when I was having a wedding, we did it this way and you should do it this way. And, and, and mom, you can come in like a lion during the wedding weekend and rearrange all of the great plans of your brand new bride-in-law and that's the last thing you want to do unless you're being asked. 
You don't want to come in and give all kinds of parenting advice and come in and give all kinds of time management advice and give all kinds of financial advice to your adult children unless you're being asked. Because when you give advice without being asked, that's prying. When you give advice about being asked, you're stepping over some boundaries. When you give advice without being asked, that can become insulting to the person who you're giving that advice to. They can start saying, mind your own business, instead of, oh, what a great nugget of wisdom, right? And if you, you could give the same advice, but give it in a different setting, you could give the advice that you forced on them, but in a setting where they said, please tell me something, and that advice would be received in a totally different way. The advice could still be golden, but the way you give it, or when you give it, could be part of the problem. And parents, we like to insert ourselves into our adult children's lives and tell them to do it differently because we know better, because we could save them from pain, because we could save them money, because we could offer our help. And we have all these great intentions behind why we're giving the advice, why we're, we're butting our nose into business we shouldn't butt our nose into. And it's, it is good intentions, but without the permission to give the counsel, it's wasted breath. And it can actually hurt. Stop helping when it enables repeated bad behavior. You know, if your 20-something son is in the basement playing video games, and he calls up to you and says, Mom, would you make me a sandwich? And you say, yes, dear, stop it. No, bad mom. Here's your bologna sandwich. Keep playing your video games. I hope you get to the next level, dear. No. You are enabling repeated bad behavior. He is a grown-up who can get off the couch and make his own sandwich. He can make it between video games. He can log off. He can get it better yet while he's on his way to a new job. And we want to empower our kids, not enable them to have repeated bad behavior. We like to pick on the 20 and 30-somethings that are still living at their parents' house. And again, rules for that is don't. But if you're going to, you need to have some clear boundaries set up. And there are some times and there are some tragedies that take place that cause there to be an ebb and flow. But if you're just a freeloading fox that jumped into the antlers because it's a ride that you thought wasn't going to cost anything, you forgot the other side of the coin. That's somebody taking advantage of your good heart and now you're enabling bad behavior. Now you're enabling laziness. Now you're enabling uh, slothfulness. Now you're enabling just wastefulness. And you don't want to enable that in your kids' lives. A lot of times it doesn't stop there. And if they don't learn to go and fend for themselves and live for themselves and pay their own bills, they can end up wasting seasons or lives and starting to get involved in things, addictions and, and bad behaviors that they shouldn't get involved in. But they can because they have time, because they don't have a job, because they don't need to pay rent. And so we have to be very cautious as friends and as parents that we don't enable repeated bad behavior. Yes, I'll help you once. Maybe I'll help you twice. But if this is becoming a pattern, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. We also don't want to help when it's not your responsibility. I had some really great advice from an uncle who's a, a Christian counselor. And this was recent for me. And we were wondering, you're always wondering, how do we help? Is the helping going to hurt? How much do we do? How much we don't do? 
that's a normal question we all need to ask ourselves. And he, he said to me, Josh, is it your responsibility? And I said, no, but I'm concerned. And he said, you used a different word. Is it your responsibility? I said, no, but I'm concerned. Listen, a lot of times we turn concern into responsibility. And I'm concerned for my grandkids, so therefore I'm going to now be responsible for them. No, no, no. Whose responsibility are your grandkids? They're not your responsibility. They were given to their parents. Who's, who's, who's responsible to pay that bill? Who's responsible to, to get out of bed on time? Whose responsibility is it to, to please that boss or to finish that homework assignment? Whose responsibility is that? If it's their responsibility, I don't want to help and remove or uh, usurp the responsibility of another person who that was given to. I don't want to take over someone else's responsibility. Now, these build on each other, right? I'm, I'm understanding this. There are some times where you're going to help someone that's not your child, where you're going to help a neighbor who's in need, where you're going to help pay a bill that you didn't create. That's going to happen occasionally, but keeping all of these in mind, they work in tandem. And sometimes you're going to have to be asked before you do it, and sometimes you're going to uh, not do it if it's going to cause repeated bad behavior, but don't keep picking up other people's responsibilities. And don't help when strings are attached. If you have an ulterior motive, motive to helping, stop. Your gift of radical generosity is a no-strings-attached gift. Don't make them pay it back later. Don't set up a, an agreement for all of it to come back. Don't, don't say, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm only going to give you this if you do this, 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 and this, and you're going to have to pay me back if you don't do that, this, and the other, and I'm going to give you this time, but you've got to give me more time later. Just just. Be radically generous, and if you can't be radically generous, don't attach any strings. Don't t try to manipulate people with your kindness. So we, we learn these lessons about thinking about helping when it hurts, and it's all under this section of we got to build good boundaries. And where do we see this? In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27, it says this, the one who has knowledge uses words with what? What's the word? Restraint. You might have all the wisdom in the world because you've parented, you've been there, done that. You've figured out how to build a budget. You knew what it meant to communicate in the right way. You know what it, you should do with that buying a new car. You've done it a thousand times, but use your words with restraint. Use them with restraint. And if you use them with restraint, whoever has understanding is very even-tempered. I will wait until the time is right. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to uh, let my head spin because I think they're not doing something the way that they should be doing it. I'm just going to be even-tempered and use my words with restraint. Proverbs 25 says, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house lest they have his fill of you and hate you. All right? Like, there's a good idea for boundaries, all right? You can't just show up all the time unexpected, but I'm your parent. That's not how it works anymore, right? Like, just... Have boundaries, make it for the right special occasions. The key to building good boundaries is clear communication. The key to good boundaries is clear communication. Friendships flourish with fences. We say it this way in America, good fences make good neighbors. Well, how do I create the boundaries? How do I figure out when helping hurts? How do I know when it's too much or what I should do or how much time I should be watching the grandkids or how, how, long, how long I should have, how often I should have conversations with my in-laws or, or how I'm going to like 
deal with the, the adult dating situation? How, how, how should I be involved? All of that will come through clear communication. Because clear communication destroys unhealthy expectations. And when you can get to a place where you're clearly and consistently communicating with one another and with your kids, when you have those open dialogues where you can talk about it, where you can have the difficult conversations on a regular basis, you'll be able to build good boundaries and boundaries that work for you because not everybody's boundaries are the same. So here's some Proverbs on good, clear communication. Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, he is folly and shame, right? Clear communication involves listening. I'm going to hear it out. I'm going to hear your point of view. I'm going to hear your side of things, and I, I want you to be able to listen when it's my turn. Just a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the setting of silver. When you are able to give words in these clear communication, it's refreshing. Even difficult conversations ultimately end up with good results. Being able to walk out with a good plan, being able to have cleared the air, being able to know where you're going to work on things and improve things. These are fit words. And then a soft answer turns away wrath. We just end up yelling at each other. We'll dial it back a little bit. Say I'm sorry every now and then. Say I'm listening and I'm, I'm open to hearing what's going on. Don't, you don't have to defend. You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. You can talk softly. These are all keys to clear communication. And here's the personal goal that we should all have, whether we're parents or adult children. Uncomfortable conversations avoid misplaced expectations. Misplaced expectations turn into assumptions, and we all know what happens with assumptions. And that trail of I got my feelings hurt or how dare they or I couldn't believe that they went there and did you hear what they said, all of that can be avoided if we're able to have these uncomfortable conversations. You need to talk to your adult kids about the inheritance. You need, you need to talk about your will. You need to talk about what, what the plan is, about Selling or buying the house. You need to talk about what it means to raise kids in today's world. You need to talk to your kids about how much or how little you want to be involved with, their grand, with your grandkids. You need to talk about all of these things on a regular basis and more. You need to be able to talk to your kids that are struggling with addiction. You need to be able to talk to your kids when they're taking advantage and they're not being responsible. You need to be able to have these difficult conversations when feelings have been hurt, when expectations have not been met. So have a great meal. Invite each other over to house. Schedule that Zoom call where you're going to talk and you're going to pray together. You're going to have soft communication. You're going to listen. And you're going to talk about good, healthy boundaries because that is the other side to the coin. When, when you're able to have a good-hearted, radically generous spirit and on the other side of the coin you're able to have good boundaries. You're now representing two, and here's the answer to my question earlier, of the three sides to a coin. Yes, there are three sides to a coin. Radical generosity, good boundaries, and a great friendship. You see, when you're able to have a great friendship, and you're able to have that third side of the coin working for you, it's balanced. It's balanced. Your coin or your relationship would be able to stand 
And if you flip to one side and all you are is radically generous, well, you're going to cross some boundaries. If on the other side, all you got is boundaries and it's your way or the highway, well, then you're forgetting radical generosity. But having both balance results in a great friendship. You see, our personal goal in, in getting to this stage of life is to be able to have a true friendship. To be able to have a true friendship in Proverbs chapter uh, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, we get this incredible pr principle of true friendships. And here's where I need some help. Could I get four people to look up four verses? And there are two lines, and you're just going to shout it from your spot when it's your time. I don't even, I don't, I don't know how we're going to figure out who says what. I'm just going to call out, and the first person to yell loudest is going to do that for me, okay? So, so jump around. True friends, friendship that we are going after as in this parenting phase. I want to build a good friendship. I want to build a good relationship. True friends are better than family. You can actually have a deeper relationship with your kids in this phase than ever before. And here's what the Bible says in Proverbs. has all kinds of stuff, principles about friendship. So apply this to your kids. Apply this to your parents. Proverbs 27, 17, who's got it? Just shoot your hand up real loud. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. That's where you want to get to in your, in your friendship years with your kids. Sharpening one another through life, through the skills, through the challenges, through the torment. You don't want to, kids, take advantage of your parents that cause them to get killed by the hunter, right? You don't want to burden them. You don't want to cause pain to them. You want to sharpen them. You want to make their life better. And so, parents, you want to do the same for your adult children. You want to sharpen them, and you want to make their lives better. And let me just give you one little piece of advice. When your kids get married, and, and you've walked down the aisle, and you have something called an in-law, you're not for one or the other. You're for both. Don't take sides. Don't try to over-counsel your biological child and, and ignore your in-law. That's not how it works. There's no more sides. Your in-law is now just as much your child as the person they married. Two have become one, and now you get to sharpen them both. You get to be a part of an incredible relationship and friendship with your kids and your in-laws all the way through. Iron sharpens iron, and I'm for this relationship. True friends are presence. Proverbs 17, 17. Who's got that one? Go ahead. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. They're present. They're there in these moments of life. A friend loves at all times, Monday through Sunday. In the early years and the late years, when the Eagles are winning and when the Eagles are losing, they're there. They're there at all times. They're present True friends are a rare, rare jewel, Proverbs 20, verse 6. Who's got it? A faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find, right? And when you find that rare jewel, when you find that precious friendship, that's something to hold on to. And remember we said not everybody gets to have this true friendship. And finally, Proverbs 18, 24. Real loud. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
There's another Proverbs that says, uh, uh, better is a neighbor who is close than a friend, than a, than a brother who is far away, right? There is a friend that can be even closer than family. The depth of this relationship is deeper than the blood that runs through your veins. And there is a friend that sticks closer than even family. So the, the goal in the friendship years is simply this, to be the person your kids want to become friends with and to come to for advice. Parents, in the adult years, you want to be the friend your kids want to, want to, you want to be the person your kids want to become friends with and who they come to for advice. Your goal should be to be so good-hearted that your kids want to come talk to you about things, that they want to come over to your house for holidays, that they want to be a part of the conversations, that they want to share the big joys with you, that they want to share the big concerns with you. And they, they know that you have boundaries that have been set up because you've clearly communicated them, and they appreciate those boundaries. They know that you love and respect them, and you respect them as adults and the decisions that they're going to make. And when you have this great good-hearted relationship with clear boundaries, you're going to be able to then build a great friendship where your kids are going to want to be your friends and they're going to want to come to you for advice. Then you'll be able to give the word fitly spoken. You see, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, it says, where there is no guidance, people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Adult children, don't ever get to the place where you think, You've figured it all out. If you are an adult child and you still have parents, your parents can be one of the greatest sources of wisdom in your lives. They know you better than you maybe even know yourself. And I want to encourage you as you listen to this to make your parents one of your abundant counselors. To be one of the people that you go to for advice to be able to open those lines of communications. And if your relationship is estranged, maybe, maybe today you can take one step forward to renewing that relationship, whatever it might be. Maybe you need to give some forgiveness. Maybe you need to have that difficult conversation. Maybe you need to start praying for that parent in some way, shape, or form. And I want to encourage you today that, hey, you can go it alone, but if you have parents out there, they can be such an incredible resource for you. Because parents, and you know this, parents of adults, you want to be a resource for your kids. You want to have that relationship. You've never stopped caring. You've never stopped loving. You've never given them away. They're yours. They're your baby girl or your baby boy. And no matter how old they get, that's what they will always be. And so live in a way that enables your kids to want to be your friends and to come to you for advice. We started our parenting conversation with three things that everybody can focus on today to be a better parent. And those three focuses are true through all of these phases. But in this largest phase, let me remind ourselves of these three focuses, three ways to be better parents today. Parents of adult kids, let me encourage you to focus on prayer. Let me encourage you to focus on prayer. What if you don't have permission to have that relationship? What if you don't have permission to share your faith? What if you don't have permission to be involved in your adult kids' lives or to give counsel? Well, you always have permission to pray. Never, never, never stop praying for your adult children. It is one of the most important roles that you have in your life. And we talked about the importance of prayer through every phase. And we come back to these three focuses. For you, parents of adults, prayer is going to be your number one. And the Bible says simply this, 
pray without ceasing, do it all the time, pray without doubting. In other words, if you pray and you have asked God to handle it, trust God that he's going to handle it. And then when you make your prayers known to God in Philippians, it says that a peace that passes understanding will be your reward. Are you worried about your kids? Are you worried about your kids' kids? Give them to the good, good father. Give them to the good, good father. And then you just be radically generous with good boundaries. Build a great relationship. Kids, be teachable. And I want to encourage you to focus on time. Be teachable. In other words, get the advice. Get the counsel. Seek after it. The Bible says if you seek for wisdom, it's better than looking for buried gold. So be teachable and, and have ears to hear and go after the counsel of your parents. Go after their advice. And I want to encourage you to focus on time with your parents. Your parents will never say, I don't want to spend, I want to spend less time with you. <laughs> your mom will never say, don't call me every week. Do it. Make the phone call. Go over for the meal. Have the regular holiday schedule that you figured out and participate in it. Spend time with your parents while you still can. While you still can. Focus on that time. And then both of us, parents and adult children, we need to rely on faith. We need to rely on faith. That, that Proverbs uh, principle is talking about, yes, you may have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but the ultimate friend is Jesus Christ. The ultimate father is God the Father. And for us who are followers of Jesus, we know that without faith in God, all of this is nothing. Without faith in God, this is a temporary vapor that's just going to wash away. Without faith in God, I'm doing this in my own power, in my own wisdom, and that's not very strong, and that's not very smart. And so I need to do it with the power and the hope and the love that only God provides. And that comes from my personal relationship with Jesus. That comes from a constant connection to God in worship and in prayer and through the reading of his word. That comes with me going all in with my faith. And if you're having trouble with these earthly relationships, what you need is a great relationship with God. And maybe you have not yet taken that step to put your faith and trust in Jesus. God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died for you, radically generous, so that you could have life eternal? Maybe today's the day you need to start that relationship and then watch what God does with all the other relationships in your life. We depend on a, a heavenly savior and God is the key to great parenting in every stage of life. Let me pray over you today. Lord, as we talk about this important relationship of parenting and parenting adult children, God, would you help us, adult children, love our parents well? Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to lean on God, even when it's difficult? God, give us understanding. God, help us to have a great ability to be radically generous. Lord, to be good-hearted. God, to have an ability to have these great conversations so that we can build good boundaries. And Lord, help us to have time together that's precious so that we can have great friendships. Lord, we, we believe and trust that all this is possible because of your radical generosity to us. If there's any here that don't yet know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that even in these moments, 
that they would consider their personal walk with you so that they could be the best parents they could possibly be, not in their power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, before we go back to the busyness of the week, if you're here today and you've never done business with God, maybe you've never heard that God loved you, he died for you, and that in order to be saved, you need to accept the free gift of salvation. You can do that this morning. In the quietness of this moment, just have this conversation with God. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross and he rose again for me. And I want to accept the free gift of salvation. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a part of the family of God. And today, if, if that's your heartbeat, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. And God is now your father. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and you've just got heaviness in your spirit because of your relationship with your parents or your relationship with your adult children. Maybe today you're here and you just thank God for your relationship with your parents or your adult children. Wherever you are in that relationship, would you just take a moment to talk to God about that, to pray for your kids, to pray for your parents. And I want to give you this one assignment. Adult kids, this week, write your parents a note. If your parents are alive, get them that note. Give it to them and just say thank you. Thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for training me. Thank you for coaching me. And thank you for being my friend. If your parents are not alive, send it through God mail. Tell God to you got a message for your parents, and he can get it there for you. And in this, this week, just appreciate the gift that you have. If you've had parents that have pointed you towards Jesus and wanted to build a good relationship with you. God, help us in, in this relationship to be God-honoring and to be pleasing in all that we do. In the precious name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, we hope that there's been something that encouraged you today, no matter where you are in your parenting process and during your spiritual journey. I want you to know that we are praying specifically for you. We care about you and we love you. And I'm glad that you've been a part of this conversation. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to fill out that connection card online. We'll be able to pray for you more specifically. If there's anything that we can do for you, that connection card is where to start. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.